0: Welcome to the HPG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We're Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. Welcome back to uh, Ephesians 4. We uh, have been going a little slower through this text. It's just so rich with such important concepts for how we think about the body of Christ, his people, and how we think about getting the work done that God wants his people to get done. And this section we're going through today, uh, verses 7 through 13, is one of my favorites. I remember the first time uh, somebody kind of taught through this in a way that opened my eyes to kind of the Again, the way the work gets done that I really hadn't thought about before. I'd read this text a lot, but it came alive for me and still still is. Yes, I remember the first time, too, someone did that for me because
1: specifically verses 11 through 13 where he talks about the different roles in the church at the time, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. You know, I'd, I'd heard that section preached on and taught about a lot, but verses 7 through 10 were really kind of lost to me. I didn't really understand their place. And so mm-hmm. today we're going to take all of it in together And understand it contextually and talk about um, the grace that God gives, not only in forgiving us, but also in giving us the tools we need Mm -hmm. to be successful here on this earth.
0: Yeah. So last time, I mean, the theme of this whole section is unity. Last time we talked about the attitudes that we have to have, because if we don't have humility and bear with one another, like none of the rest of this is going to matter. We have to have those attitudes first. And then we talked about the seven ones, that like, there's only one of these things. And kind of in contrast to that, in verse seven, he's going to say, but there's going to be this grace given to each one of us. And it's a little bit different. We have different gifts. We don't all have the same role. Even though there's one body, there are different members of that body. So let's read uh, Ephesians 4, verses seven through 13. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so Paul
1: starts off in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You know, it's pretty common for us to think about the talents that we have or the abilities that we have and say, yeah, that's, that's because I worked for that. You know, that's something that I have because I worked on it. But the way Paul uses his language in verse 7, he talks about those things being a measure of the grace of God in order to have those gifts and abilities. Which has been pretty typical, Paul. This is something that he talked about back in chapter 3 in verse 2 as he was talking about his being able to be a minister to the Gentiles. He describes it as being a steward of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Mm -hmm. And so not only does Paul see it that way, we need to see it that way as well. Whatever gift we have, whatever tool or whatever you want to fill in the blank with, it's because God gave us that. It was by his grace.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, tying it back in with chapter three, verse two, he recognizes that God gave him that gift, that role, that work, not just for him. Um, It was to share with others. And that's really going to be the point that we get into in in a minute here in this text is that there's one body of Christ. We're unified in these things, but God distributes among his body different roles and different kinds of work. But the purpose of those talents and abilities is not just to glorify ourselves or just hide that and do it in a way that we just enjoy. But no, it's to give back to the body. The body is to be building itself up um, with the gifts that God has given. They're they're gifts, and so we shouldn't boast about them, and they're not just for us. Uh, And that's, like you said, such a fine line to walk because it's so easy for Satan to take God's good gifts and turn them into opportunities for pride and selfishness. But what I like about this section, what he gets into next, I think verses eight through 10 was always like the really confusing part for yep, me. It's same. like, I would just kind of like to skip over eight through 10 and go straight from seven to uh, verse 11. Yeah. And he gave the apostles the prophets, which in, there's a sense in which you can do that. Like it makes sense. Like if you hop over, but he is going to pull from the old Testament here and make a really interesting point from Psalm 68. Yeah, and
1: just looking at that language, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He's pulling on some military language that was being used in Psalm 68. If you can just kind of imagine maybe an old movie where they go out and a king goes to conquer a land, and what he would often do is, as he was conquering the land and he would take these captives he would take all the spoils and all the gifts that he has and he would bring them back to his people and he would scatter them amongst the people all the spoils that he got from the war and that's part of the language that's being used in psalm 68 that now paul is applying here yeah but of course the question is what gifts is he talking about? And who's who
0: were the captives? And, you know, all that goes with it. Yeah. And there's also this idea of ascending and descending that's part of the uh, picture of victory. Is It's almost like, okay, like, the king lives in his capital city, like, up on a mountain. And mm-hmm. like that's what you would build. Like, for, you know, military reasons and protection, you build up on a mountain, you have the high ground. And so when the king... He's a like king of the Kill, king of the hill. He comes down the hill. He descends to defeat his enemies. He has captured, you know, the spoils of war, uh, the plunder, and and the image we're supposed to have is he's ascending the hill again. He's going back up to his domain, and and it's this victory parade. And like you mentioned, Chase, you know, he's they're throwing out gifts. You know, these are the spoils of war. And where he's sharing them generously with his people. But the king is the one who went and defeated the enemies. And now he's coming back up the hill. If you go and read Psalm 68, there's a much fuller picture of the scene and the victory parade and the women dancing and celebrating. And like, it's really cool to see what's going on in Psalm 68. Like God is this king who's descended from his mountain, defeated his enemies, and now he's ascending back to his throne, Um, which Paul's taking that picture and mapping it onto the story of jesus mm-hmm. descending from god's throne defeating satan And here's the part that i think is really cool what are the spoils that jesus took from satan he took us we, yeah. we, we were the captives it's that it's talking about like yeah. he 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 takes the captives away and here's what's cool like as he's ascending so to speak he's going back up there's a sense in which from there he is distributing these people. He's, he's captured people from the world and now he's given them gifts of being apostles or prophets or evangelists, teachers. And now he's giving them back to his people as a gift to equip them. And so it's just really cool to think about that kind of conquest that Jesus has done is mm-hmm. to capture people and then turn them into gifts that he
1: gives away. It's interesting as well. In Psalm 68, the language in verse 18 talks about receiving gifts from men, that the king is going to be receiving gifts. Do I understand that correctly? Mm -hmm. And then here, Paul uses the language, and he kind of flips a little bit, and he talks about the king giving gifts to men. Which, obviously, I think Paul did that on purpose. You know, it's not so much that the king is receiving gifts, but the king is distributing gifts. He's he's being gracious in giving the spoils of war to his people. He didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, that's Paul's point. And the gifts that God gave now for the church are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and so forth.
0: Yeah. So... I think Paul's point in verses 8 through 10 is, again, he's just trying to get the idea of that military victory in our heads that Christ has come down to earth. He has conquered and taken these people. And, I mean, you think about, like, calling Peter as a fisherman. (laughs) He takes this fisherman and makes him into an apostle and, and a teacher. And it's someone who's going to equip and strengthen his brothers. Um, and seeing the grace of the king who descended to this place and now has ascended Mm -hmm. and above all things and is now giving these gifts to his people. And I I just love it because it makes
1: us appreciate thinking about how we were all in Satan's army. Um, Mm -hmm. That is where we were. We we were down in the the bunkers with everybody. We were fighting with Satan, and Jesus came in, and and he crushed Satan, Mm -hmm. and he took me out of there. And he cleaned me up and he put me back together in a more beautiful way than I was ever in the first place. And now I have a place in his kingdom. Um, I serve him. And that's the beautiful picture that Paul is trying to paint here. And I hope, if you're a Christian listening, that you see yourself in that context of being a deserter of Satan's army and now, of course, being in the Lord's army.
0: Amen. So in verse 11, he lists these, it's either four or five roles um, depending on how you look at it and how your Bible translates it. Um, the first two are apostles and prophets. Well, actually, if we look at all five, even apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or I think yours says pastors. It does. Yeah, yep. so shepherds and pastors, same word, um, and teachers. Well, let's ask first, what did these five, four or five roles have in common?
1: They all seem to be in some type of leadership position or just um, teaching
0: Authority yeah. role. They're all teaching roles. I mean, apostles are ones who are sent out. Um, prophets are people who speak fr- directly from God. Um, evangelists are good newsers. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are uh, people who bring the good news. the 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 gospel um, is, the, is from the same word. Yeah. And, and then, um you know, shepherds, yeah, or pastors are people who oversee the flock. They take care of God's people, teach them, feed them, and teachers teach <laughs> yeah
1: exactly and what's really cool is is we see each one of these in the book of acts of course you've got the apostles themselves in acts 2 you've got prophets like Agabus in acts chapter 12 and then you've got evangelists like philip the evangelist as he's called in acts 21 verse 8 and then of course you've got pastors or, or shepherds like the ones in ephesus in acts chapter 20 so it's really cool you can see all of these not only in paul's list here but it is in the biblical narrative itself that the church is actually made up of these guys and we learn what they're actually doing. So it goes further from just this verse. So it's super cool.
0: Yeah, and it ties back with Ephesians chapter two. If you guys remember um, when Paul is describing like the we're being built up into a temple and he describes the foundation of that building back in chapter two, verse 20, he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And we talked there, and I think it's a good point to make here, that the apostles and prophets were how God revealed scripture to us. He's speaking through these men uh, by the Holy Spirit. Um, And chapter 3, we talked about how when you read this, you can understand my insight to the mystery of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. And then verse 5, he says that this has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, I want to be clear. This is really a whole another study uh, for another time. But I don't believe, based on evidence that we have, that we have living apostles and prophets today. But we still have the gift of the apostles and prophets because we have what they wrote down. That's right. Which is exactly what Paul described in chapter 3. I'm writing this letter by the Spirit. And when you read this, you have my insight. I'm an apostle. And now I'm telling you what God told me. And so we don't actually need the roles of apostles and prophets today living. Um, We just need the gifts, which is what they wrote, the message, the teaching, the words that God gave them, we have in the scriptures. And so if someone asked me, you know, like, do you have apostles and prophets? I would say, well... No and yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not you can't like go somewhere on earth and say, okay, here's where the apostles stay. But you can say, hey, read this, and you will have insight into the mystery that God gave the apostles and prophets. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so coming after that
1: are evangelists. Um, and that word is used three times in the New Testament. One of the times is right here in Ephesians four, one is in Acts twenty-one, verse eight, like I mentioned earlier, when it talks about Philip the evangelist. And then in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5, as Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy, he'll say, fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. And so that is the title or role or description of what Timothy was. Mm -hmm. So those are the three times we see it used. But it's it's kind of a cool word because just if we just kind of simply defined it right out of the Greek, we would just say, good newser, right? Someone who's out there proclaiming the good news. And they're not going to have any type of miraculous gift of knowledge to be able to do that, to go and tell about the the story of Jesus Christ. You know, that's something anyone can do. Now, there is, I think, a distinction in some ways between someone who works in that role or work of an evangelist, like Timothy did, opposed to someone who is just trying to share the good news. But it is still, I think, just such a descriptive term for what this guy is doing. Yeah, and because it's not miraculous in nature, I do think there you can still have evangelists today.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, because I hope so. Because I identify I, as one. Yes, <laughs> I do
1: as well. Um, and so I, oh, lo- I love that word, though, evangelist.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because when we think about that word, evangelist, um, it, it is one of those kind of biblically words. I, I think more commonly people would say preacher. Um, I think there's a distinction here between evangelist and the next thing he says when he says pastor. And again, this is just such a side note, but sometimes people come up to me and are like, "Oh, unless so like, are you a pastor?" And that word pastor it literally means shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, ESV has shepherd. The New American uh-huh. Standard has pastor there. Um, that's literally what it means. And we read in other places in Acts um, and in Timothy and Titus about the role of shepherds. They're also called elders or overseers, um, different names for the same role. And according to those passages, I don't yet meet the qualifications for that role of a pastor, of a shepherd. Um, and so I, I don't always like try to correct people on the yeah, spot yeah. or anything like, well, technically, that I'm not actually a pastor. <laughs> um, but biblically, I, I would say, no, I'm not a pastor, but I am an evangelist. I'm a preacher of the good news. And, um, there's an important distinction there that, again, this is a whole study for another time of the, the primary tool of an evangelist is the word. Mm-hmm. There are people who take the good news and are using that to seek to convert and to build up. Whereas pastors, they, they are shepherds. They are over the sheep. There's more of an authority role in the church of a shepherd mm-hmm. that an evangelist is is just coming okay like I'm, I'm just one of the sheep yeah that's but right But I've, I've got time to be in the word and yeah. to share it with I,
1: people i'm just here to teach you that's know right. that's kind of the idea and then going next to that as we're talking about pastors teachers it is cool we're not going to get into all the ins and outs of this but in greek what's likely happening is pastors teachers is kind of one word or yeah. kind of one concept uh, pastor teachers yeah <laughs> maybe that's a better way to put that it's just <laughs> one concept it's not separate and apart you know it's pastors and teachers it's
0: Pastor teachers, Sh- shepherd teachers, exactly,
1: and I love that because in First Timothy three, as Paul outlines to Timothy what kind of traits and qualities an elder or a pastor shepherd is supposed to have, one of the things he says is that they are to be able to teach. That's First mm-hmm. Timothy three and verse two. So if you're a shepherd, you got to be a teacher. And it makes as well. sense, doesn't it? Like that's just yeah. logical. You got to feed the flock. That's right. If you're going to be the guy who's shepherding this flock and trying to get them to do well spiritually, naturally there's going to be moments where you got to be teaching. You got to teach them the right way to do things. And you know how I know that? Not just because it's in the text. Because I've had shepherds come along and have to teach me. And and shepherds in the local church say, Chase, you know, you really don't got that right. You don't have this down. You need to work on this. And let me show you how to do that. Let me teach you how to be better at this. And they're doing their job. That's, that's exactly what their role is, is to teach me. And guess what? That's God's grace. That's Mm -hmm. the gift that God gave to Chase is that elder or that pastor or shepherd or whatever you want to call them that came along and said, Chase, let me teach you how to do
0: this. Mm-hmm. That was God's grace. That's right. And that really leads perfectly into the next verse because all these gifts, again, these are human roles that Christ has captured from the world, turned into a gift, and they're all teaching in some capacity. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, shepherd teachers. <laughs> and what are they doing? Verse 12. They are equipping the saints. And I love that idea of equipping somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, another way of translating this is perfecting the saints. But it's the idea of like you're building somebody up. You're giving them the tools they need to do the work. And I like the way it says right in the next phrase, to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry or the work of service. Mm-hmm. I think this is literally the word of like of doing servant stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's what the word means. Sometimes we get the idea, like kind of a glamorous idea of ministry, like that, oh, this is like my ministry or da, da, da. And we we think like, oh, like that's how people know you and like see you. And like, it's like, dude, it literally means to be a servant.
1: Yeah, And I mean, isn't that add up with what Jesus said? If you want to be great, you got to be the servant or slave of all. That's right. That that is... Point A, right, in Jesus' whole
0: ministry. Be a servant. Stop trying to serve yourself, serve other people. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's our example. Exactly. And and so that's the idea. It's like the apostles and prophets. When we read what they wrote, guess what? I learn how to be a servant. I get equipped when I read the apostles and prophets and the scriptures. Um, The evangelists, again, one of my roles, one of the things I have to think about doing is I'm not just giving people a fish but i'm trying to teach them to fish you know i'm equipping god's holy people the saints i mean the saints is another thing we should probably define because that word gets thrown around a little bit it just means holy people and all of christians are supposed to be holy people it's not like a separate upper class Mm -hmm. of something and so i was like if you've got the good news use it to equip God's people so they can go out and serve.
1: And I just wonder, we, we've talked about some military language in verse 8. I see military language in verse 12 as well, getting outfitted, getting equipped. You uh-huh. know, you think about, I think about David, right? Whenever he says he's going to go fight Goliath, and they go and try and put him in Saul's armor. But the idea is when you're going to go out to battle or you become a soldier, one of the first things they do is they equip you. you. You go to basic training, you go to boot camp, you get all of your equipment, you get your outfit, you get your gun, you get everything you need so that you can go out and do this thing. And that's the same idea here. You you have a mission, you have a goal, but God isn't sending you into that blind. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get it in our heads that I got to figure all this out on my own. No, 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 not so. God has given us what we need to be able to accomplish this task. And uh, the same was true of the prophet Ezekiel. I think about God telling him, you're going to have to go talk to a bunch of people who ain't going to listen to you,
0: Mm -hmm. but I'm
1: going to give you a hard head and I'm going to give you my word so that you can butt up against them if you need to, while also deliver to them exactly what my words are. When God gives us a hard task, he gives us the tools we need to accomplish it. And we have many different tools here in front of us as we look at the different books of the Bible to be equipped to go out to do this work of service.
0: Yeah i've sometimes heard that like as you learn different books of the bible it's like adding a tool to your tool chest yeah that like once i figure out philippians i'm like oh okay like i get that part of the word that the apostles and prophets you know have equipped me and now i can use the book of philippians to help other people that's right to have joy in the midst of suffering to have peace and unity and same thing with ephesians i'm explaining god's work in christ to people like this is a, a the word is equipping us to equip others. we hope that's what this podcast is doing in mm-hmm. part. I'll also say this, that the, the thing that really captured my attention when I heard this lesson taught was like how we think about church. Because a lot of times when we think about church, like we think primarily about, okay, like I'm going to go to church and I'm going to encourage the preacher to go save the lost, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put something in the offering plate so that advertisements can go out and like the, the, you know, the, the people who are in leadership positions will go and do that work. And let me just say that that is partially true. Um, I'm by God's grace, able to do what I do because of support of Christians. I thank God for that. But one of the things here is that the evangelists, the, the shepherd teachers, they're equipping the saints to go out and do the work. And when you think about it, that kind of model, it's like I go to church, I go assemble with God's people to get equipped to go out and do the work. Now, see, and that's just like a different mindset, is like, I'm, like, coming to the huddle to be, like, okay, like, let's talk about the game plan. But then I'm one of the people going out yeah. and doing the work. Put I'm me not, in, coach. Yeah. I'm not just, like, coming and, like, putting in my two cents and, like, okay, like, see you guys later. I'm going to go do my thing. Good luck with the work. It's, like, no, like, you do the work. <laughs> like, and it's a little bit like what Jesus did with the disciples. Like, he, when he fed the 5,000. That's a good example. He told them, like, you give them something to eat. And they're, like, Jesus, like, we can't do this. <laughs> and he's, like, I got you. And so he gives them the bread, but they, then he gives them the bread and they feed the people. It's by God's grace, but they're the ones out doing the work. And so when we think of church in that way, two things are going to happen. One is I got to realize it's my responsibility. Every member needs to be engaged in the work of service. And if we have it, every member participation mindset, the second thing is going to happen is a lot more work is going to get done. It's not just people coming together so that like a couple of guys can get stuff done. It's They're equipping everybody so that everyone's taking the good news to their neighbors and friends.
1: I love at the end of verse 12, to the building up of the body of Christ. I think there's a couple different ways to look at that. But how I'm thinking about it is, yes, we're learning all of these things so that we can go out and share it with other people. But we're also learning these things so that we can build up the body. Yeah. So put that in practical terms. I'm going to learn the ins and outs of the book of Philippians so that I, in moments of suffering, can remember I need to rejoice and, and know that the Lord is with me. But I'm also learning that book because there might be another brother or sister in Christ down the road that I might need to build up and encourage. Or right now. <laughs> or right now, exactly. And so I'm learning that tool or that gift or whatever you want to call it so that it's for me, but also so I can build up the body. Mm-hmm. And that just changes, I think, how you said it, Stephen, is perfect, how you view church services in general. I'm going here to get built up and encouraged, but also to learn. Yeah. And I think we got to take that seriously. And um, I'm very thankful for... Um, in, in the local church where Stephen and I are, I'm not the only evangelist, Stephen's there, but we also got another guy that comes in and preaches. And I I love those moments where I can hear those, those lessons and be built up, but I've got to go into it with the mentality of, I'm going to learn something today and I'm going to apply it and I'm going to take it out and share it with other people. And it just needs to be a purposeful mindset every time we go into an assembly.
0: Yep. And again, like I might hear something for people who've been Christians a while. Sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, another sermon about this or that. Like I know this, but I know like, like every time I hear it, it can help me, but I might hear it in a way that now I can share with other people. Yeah. And if we do only one or the other, if we're only thinking about what's going to build us up, well, there's going to be some repeat. We're going to be, like, oh, it's easy to tune out. But if I'm only applying it to other people and think, oh, I know somebody who needs to hear that lesson, <laughs> well, we also need to apply it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just like that idea of building up, the, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for serving other people but also for building up the body of Christ.
1: All right, so the the next question that comes is, all right, Paul, how long we got to do this, man? Like, how long are we all going to go to church and and, and assemble and build each other up and do all this? And uh, Paul says in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Well,
0: Looks like we're going to be doing this for a long, long time, <laughs> right. is the answer. And the answer is until we look like Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Like, it, it's it's the whole goal here of being a disciple is to become like our teacher, to become like our master. And Jesus has come down. He descended into the earth so that he could show us how this is supposed to look. And the goal of the good news, the goal of all this teaching is to get us to all come to be like Jesus. That That's the standard of our unity. And I like what he says here in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And again, the faith. The one faith. Is usually, when you see it like with the the faith in front of it, it's not just one trust, but it's one teaching. And if you remember back in verse 3, and talked about with like uh, these qualities, uh, these attitudes for unity, he said that we need to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. That like in, in God's spirit, he builds us into one body. Like this something that God does. Maintain it. Like it's there, but like take care of it. Preserve it. But in verse 13, he talks about a kind of unity that we're attaining to. Or like we're getting there. And, and we're it's a process that we're in. We're not quite all unified. We're not all looking like Jesus yet. We're a, we're a construction zone. <laughs> And we're build, being built up. And so there's this, these two parts of unity that, that there's like a now and a not yet of unity that I think is really cool in this text. And if we neglect remembering, hey, like we're already one in a sense, like God's already made us one. Then we're just going to be like, oh, like we're so different. We to, But if like all we say is, oh yeah, we're one, we're one. We don't need to grow anymore. Like we're good. And we don't attain to the unity then we're never going to grow. We're never going to become more like Jesus. And so like we have to think of unity in both of those senses to be what God wants us to be. There's a sense in which we're already one, and there's a sense in which we're becoming one mm-hmm. and working on that and attaining to that.
1: Yeah, and the body's growing, and it's growing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think about my family, uh, you know, especially a, a couple that's just gotten married. They are one now but they are going to have to grow together. And there's, it's going to be challenging at times, but they are going to have to attain to that unity. Mm-hmm. And that's a very similar idea, obviously, with the Lord Church. It's, you're going to have some growing pains. It's going to be clunky at times, but we're all striving to be united in the one faith of Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah. And so, attaining to the unity of the faith, so the unity of the teaching, and to knowing Jesus. Yep. To the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. We're going to talk more about this next week when we talk about not being children and tossed to and fro. Um, but there's just so many good things here that we're breaking it up a little bit. Um, I remember this is all one paragraph. But maturity is just such an important concept in scripture. There's so many passages that talk about you got to grow up. You know, you no, don't be on the milk anymore. You got to eat some steak, you know? And this is one of those passages. It's like the, the apostles and prophets, the evangelists the shepherd teachers they're trying to get us to grow up Uh we all are in a process and we start out as little babies when we're baptized and we're we're all we're in the body you know we're in the family but we're not there yet we got a long way to go and like we got habits of like little kids and, and we don't see things clearly yet and so he's like keep growing up keep getting equipped Become more and more like Jesus. The more you look like Jesus, the more you mature you're going to be. Right.
1: And so to the measure of the stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Yeah. And I just I just think about what comes to my mind here is I remember growing up, you know, especially when I became a teenager and I was getting taller, you would always like come measure yourself up next to dad, right? Oh, I'm getting, getting closer to being as tall as dad is. And that's really the idea is we're, we're trying to measure up to who Christ is. Yeah. He is the example. That's who we want to be like. And so that's a beautiful metaphor Paul uses here.
0: Yeah. It's an intimidating one because you're yeah. like, man, like, how am I ever going to be like Jesus? But that's what he calls us to be. Uh-huh. It's like, and he promises us his grace. Right. It's not just us just working hard and pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It is like, God has given us grace, he's given us these gifts. And so we can be equipped to get in the process and really it's not going to be until we see him face to face that that process is complete and we're transformed to be completely like our savior. Um, but right now that's the goal. We can't take our eyes off that goal or lower the bar or say like well as long as i'm like better than so and so you know i'm going to say no. The stature of the fullness of Christ that that always has to be our goal and our aim. And when we keep keep that bar held where god put it, w- we're always going to have room to grow. Yeah. Amen. Well, Lord willing, next
1: week we'll talk about verses 14 through 16, where it just gets into some more solid application, where, as Stevens already kind of mentioned, that it'll talk about not wanting to be like children who are tossed here and there, and how we need to be united and speak the truth in love. And, and uh, Lord willing, next week we'll get into more details of what it means to be united in love.
0: Thank you guys for listening today. If you're enjoying what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and um, if you'd like to study more with us, uh, we'd like to do our best to equip you, um, 717-585-0949. You can text us or call us, uh, email us at capitalcitychristians@gmail.com, at or for more information, check out capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much.